Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast with me, Andy Barge. Joining me today is the Daily Record's Liam Bryce and we'll preview tomorrow's huge match against Salzburg in the Europa League as well as Sunday's league tie at Easter Road. We'll also address the rumours surrounding Head of Recruitment Lee Congerton's immediate future at the club, as well as Cal McGregor, who's been linked with a move to the English Premier League. We'll also look at the prospect of Scott Brown heading down under and also address Gordon Strachan's assessment of any title race or lack of it. And just before we get into the main Record Celtic podcast, we've had some breaking news uh, this afternoon coming out of Celtic. Um, manager Brendan Rodgers as part of his press conference has confirmed that striker uh, Lee Griffiths will be out of football um, for a period of time. Uh, Rodgers has cited uh, personal issues um, that are, have been ongoing for some time that are going to keep um, Griffiths off off the field um, while he gets uh, the help that Rodgers uh, says he needs to get him back in a good place again. Uh, with the manager's words um, first off, you know, here we want to just all wish uh, Griffiths uh, the best in his recovery and we hope to see him back playing for Celtic and Scotland as soon as possible. Uh, I've just been joined here by Fraser Wilson, my colleague, for a wee bit of reaction to this breaking news. Uh, Fraser, it's um, it's uh, you know big news coming out of Celtic Park and obviously we, you know, we wish Griffiths the best, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, I'd just like to echo those sentiments that uh, we absolutely wish Lee Griffiths all, all the best in his battle to overcome this. Um, it did. It came as a bit of a surprise in the the, the conference this afternoon, uh, but I suppose it maybe clears up a few issues with Lee Griffiths coming and going through the spotlight in the last few months. Um, this is a, a serious matter, um, and and Rogers stressed that it was a mental issue and not a physical issue, mm-hmm. uh, and that he'll be taking a few months out now to find, as you said, his good place. Uh, it just shows the. Um, how football's taken great strides, I would say, um, in the last 10, 20 years. That, and Brendan Rodgers is great for this, I think. His man management is spot on and maybe unrivaled in Scottish football. He's given Lee Griffiths the time that he needs. It could be a matter of months away from the game completely to get the help that he needs to overcome, which is what is a very, very serious illness. Yeah. I think you you've made a great point there that I think you know maybe 10 20 years ago a matter like this would have you know perhaps been kept under wraps um but obviously Celtic has uh been very been very open about it and they've can obviously pledge to to give Griffiths all the the support that he needs already you're seeing you know fans from can all over Scottish football um on social media you know echoing those sentiments and wishing Griffiths all the best um Again, as as we said, you know, we we obviously echo those those sentiments as well. But if we can just talk as well from a perhaps a footballing perspective, um, you know, Griffiths out of action, and it, it does it does it's, it does leave Celtic uh, somewhat short um, in the, the striking department. Would you say that's it? It's really only Odds and Edward now is a 
recognised striker for the, the foreseeable weeks, months ahead. And there's some huge games, obviously, in that time. Um, if something was to happen to Odson Edward, you'd think, well, who's going to lead the Celtic front line? And, and fair enough, goals coming through left, right and centre on that Celtic team. James Forrest, Tom Rodjick, Scott Sinclair chipping in with a few. That Goals aren't a problem, really, at a domestic level, but at Celtic, they need a recognised striker. Mm -hmm. So if something was to happen to Odson Edward, then really, January, I think, suddenly the, the major glaring priority for Brendan Rodgers would be a new striker. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he lost Moussa Dembele in the final day of the last window. Didn't have the time to replace him. I think Celtic do now have a new priority. Yeah, and obviously it, it kind of does depend on, you know, it, nobody can say at the moment how, how long Griffith is going to be out of action for. So I suppose that clouds it a bit further for, for Celtic as well, doesn't it? That's true. Lee Griffiths is still a young man. He's, what, he's 28 year old. He's still got, hopefully, the best footballing years ahead of him. Um, so let, let's hope this is short term let's hope he can battle these demons that he's got uh, and win that battle and be back firing for Celtic and Scotland before the end of the season I really do hope that yeah I know I mean I think obviously it does have footballing consequences but you know obviously you know all that pales into insignificance uh, the really the main thing here is seeing that Lee Griffiths back full health um, and in a good place as Brendan Rodgers said um, oh, anything any football matters I suppose are really really trivial compared to that um, again we just want to wish um, Lee Griffiths all the best and we hope to see him back on the pitch very soon 100% 100% Liam let's start with tomorrow night's game then Liam how should Celtic fans feel heading into this one I think they've got every reason to feel optimistic don't they I mean if they'd been offered offered this this situation after they'd just been beaten by Leipzig in Germany, they'd have probably laughed at you. Mm -hmm. um, because it just the, the, there was a flatness about the European campaign up until up until the return leg against Leipzig. Even the even the win over Rosenborg at, at Parkhead in the first night, obviously it was a great moment when Giffey scored, but it was just there was it was a bit of a flat performance. Celtic were in the middle of that kind of period where things weren't really clicking for them um, so I think the turnaround since then is which should give them every every reason to be very very optimistic well make no mistake about it the latter two or the, the previous two games against Leipzig and Rosenberg have been far and away the best of the European campaign so far would you agree oh yeah uh, definitely um, the, the result against Leipzig especially um, it's been a while I think since there's a real quality side came to to Parkhead and kind of left feeling the way that a lot of teams did in years gone by. Uh, a bit shell shocked, especially in the the kind of opening ten minutes. The place was bouncing. Um, early goal for Celtic. It just had that kind of classic European night feel that you've seen over the years, but as I said, hadn't seen for a while. So that seemed to that was you know it was a clear turning point, and then it was a really professional performance and drawn time against against Rosenborg and as you say it sets it up perfectly for, for Thursday now Well Salzburg are through they've technically got nothing to play for although I'm sure they'll want to win does them already having secured their progress help Celtic or hinder because if they're bringing players in that might want to prove a point the level might be stepped up yeah, I mean, there there is there is you know there is that factor, but then there's also the kind of caveat to that is they maybe bringing in players who aren't of the same quite of the same quality yeah. as uh, the side that we saw over in Austria. I think Celtic just, I mean, there's there's all, there's all sorts of ways you can look at that, but I think 
you know the obvious thing is for Celtic is just to focus on doing what they what they do, and I've got no doubt that they'll be going out to to try and to try and win the game. I think you've seen players um, in the press over the past the past few days, past week, you know, kind of talking about the dangers of trying to play for to play for a draw because it's just it's a, it's a, it's obviously a strange mindset to go into to go into such a, a huge game, a huge atmosphere. Uh, so I think I expect Celtic to go and try and win the game, and you know, probably just not try not to pay too much attention to the changes or no changes or lack of motivation or whatever might surround Salzburg as they come into the game. With that in mind, then how would you expect Celtic to set up uh, with the individuals they have? Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually I'm expecting it. Um, perhaps not too many changes from the team um, that beat Kilmarnock. Uh, so. Convincingly at the weekend. Sinclair, Edward, and Forrest, the three going forward, and then in midfield, McGregor, Christie, and Rogic. Yeah, I think that especially that midfield three, they seem to they seem to have really found um the right balance with those three. Um I know it was kinda it was suppose it was forced on Brendan Rogers in a way by Scott Brown and Olivier and Cham um dropping out with injuries. Uh, but I, I think I'd be surprised. I mean, uh, maybe maybe in Sham coming in for a, a big European game like this, I, I don't know, but I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Brendan Rodgers stick with that three that's been so been so good. Um, well, if there were changes in midfield, who would you expect to see drop out? Because the three of them, Rodgers, McGregor, and Christie, have have all been playing well. That's it, isn't it? I mean, could you really could you really state a case for any any of the three of them to to drop out? Well, with the result against Kilmarnock and performance in mind, it would be very difficult considering that the changes were made from Motherwell previously and it didn't yeah. really work out. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I, I would, as I said, I would be really surprised um, to see to see any changes to that to that setup. Um, the three of them just seem to be really operating really well in each other's each other's company, not just as as individuals. As I said, there's a right a right good balance about it. Um, and I think the 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 level of contrast um, was really really shown in that that Motherwell game, which was qu- I know there was a lot of other changes in that mm-hmm. game, and it was coming off the back of the the, the cup final as well. But there was still a, a sort of a back to the the sort of plodding nature uh, of the performance that we saw earlier on in the season. Um, so yeah, as I said, I, I think I'd expect them not to stick, not to twist as far as that goes. And I think the rest of the team especially at the back, almost picks itself these days. Do you think that Rodgers might be tempted to bring in a more defensive-minded midfielder, though, someday like Brown, or if he was fully fit near Baton? Because although Cal McGregor has been doing really well in that kind of anchoring role, he's there to start and dictate attacks, not to mm-hmm. screen the defence. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, you're right. I think maybe if you were going to make a a case for changing it, it would be... Uh, from a defensive, from a defensive point of view, because obviously if Celtic are, you know, they want to attack and win the game, you could argue that those three are definitely the the best option. But you could maybe also say, not so much a, a case for somebody to drop out, but just that Scott Brown's experience and his his leadership capabilities and his just ability to to hold on to the ball um, under pressure and just as you say, like. Uh, provide us a bit more uh, defensive stability, as you say. Callum McGregor's responsibility is more uh, to launch attacks from 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 that area of the pitch. Um, 
which obviously Brown is more than capable of doing that as well. So maybe maybe perhaps Scott Brown uh, coming back in, um, but as we'll have to, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Without weighing it up in your mind too much, just instinctively, will Celtic qualify? I think they will. Yeah, I've got I've, I've got a positive positive feeling for, on this one for Celtic. Just you know, everything's been going their way. They're kind of riding the crest of a wave at the moment. Um, and as you say, Salzburg coming into the game, not needing a result, perhaps, uh, as you say, got an eye on giving other players a, an opportunity, perhaps. And you know, I, I, I'm surprised if if Celtic if Celtic lose if lose they, they, they were to lose this game, um, they'll be obviously they'll be right up for it. The crowd will be behind them, confidence high after what happened against Leipzig the last time at Parkhead. Uh, so I, I, if I was to Make a, a bold prediction. I think. I think they could even they could even sneak a win. I think that 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 itself should set alarm bells ringing for Celtic fans that I'm, <laughs> I'm backing them to, to well, win this game. Well, if there's ever a night for Celtic Park to be raucous and the fans to be behind the team, it's this. That there have been times in the past, I think, when Celtic have fallen behind at home in Europe to a team that isn't in the elite maybe Anderlecht or Gladbach a couple of seasons ago and the place kind of falls a bit flat mm-hmm. whereas if Salzburg take the lead tomorrow that can't happen No, no, it, it's, it's doubly important um, which I think the onus then is on the Celtic players to start the game on the front foot and to start the game really positively um, I, I mentioned it earlier on that uh, was that the, the Leipzig game and they they looked to the Germans. They looked a bit shell shocked in that first ten minutes. Um, the place was bouncing. Celtic were on the front foot, and then the roof just about came off. And Keane Tierney scored that goal. And you know these were, as you've seen in the past, these are kind of really top top draw players, who um, they're all kind of looking around at each other, saying as if what's what's going on here. Um, so I think it's 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 doubly important for for Celtic to to make sure that there's no chance of it falling flat because. Uh, I think you're right. And years gone by, if you know the team comes over and sneaks a, an early goal, then and Celtic don't quite respond to that, then the atmosphere it can go from 100 down to you know zero yeah. quite quite quickly. Um, and I think because it's it's so it's always so high at the at the beginning of the game, it's it's more noticeable then if it takes a dip, yep. um, which I think you know you could argue has a has an effect on the players as well. Well, let's talk about Sunday's game then at Easter Road. Hibs not really in a good place at the moment. Do you expect Celtic to go there though and just continue the way that they have been? I've got, there's kind of not been much indication um, <laughs> that things will go any other way at the moment. I mean, you had the okay, it was maybe not a hundred percent, you know, seriously billed as a you know a clash of two title challengers last week against Kilmarnock, but you know. Kelly of Steve Clark have seemed to at times maybe it's more so at Rugby Park but seem to have you know Celtic's number a wee bit. Um, they would have come into that game with huge confidence and Celtic have just you know turned up and swept them aside. Um, so you're kind of they're going up against the Hibs team now where it's a, maybe a similar situation that Hibs have you know had the had the better of Celtic on their home patch the way Kilmarnock have over the past couple of years but it's just not working for Hibs at the moment. It just doesn't seem to be. Um, all there for them. I um, think it's a low ebb. I'm sure they'll yeah, come back. Uh-huh, but Hibs, uh-huh. Hibs really could do 
with a win against Celtic because they can end Sunday seven points off the top six if Aberdeen beats St Mirren uh-huh. and Celtic win. Yeah, in that sense, it's a it's a, it's a huge yeah. game, a huge game for Hibs. And you know, Neil Lennon will be presenting this to his players as an opportunity to to really put to an end uh, this kind of dip that they've that they've um, they've hit in these the past sort of month or so. And I think that was always inevitable with Hibs, I suppose. They've just been on the up and up and up over the over the past year. Um so there's you know, they've still got I know a lot of change, especially in midfield at the summer, but I felt as though they did bring in uh, good quality players and they're definitely a much better side than what they're showing at the moment. Well, how how do you think a potentially changed Celtic eleven will cope with that then? Similar maybe to what was fielded against Motherwell last week? Players like Hayes, maybe Morgan. Mm-hmm. Coming into the side, Gamboa, Izaguirre, Hendry, yeah. etc. Well, again, I mean that that I think that is the only potential sort of stumbling block these days for Celtic is getting that balance of balance of changes right. I think it went too much um, the wrong way against Motherwell, and I, th- I think Brendan Rodgers would probably be quite wary of doing that again, uh, especially on a ground where they have maybe struggled in the past couple of years. Uh, although you know there'll be tired legs, t- perhaps tired minds mm-hmm. from the Salzburg game because it's a huge occasion. Um, but I don't expect to see too many changes. The way you know, I, I, I would be surprised if the likes of Johnny Hayes, who is you know been the kind of definition of a fringe player, uh, if he was t- the likes of him were to come in again. Um, but again, it's all who knows. There might be guys pick up injuries against Salzburg. Um, but no, I don't. I don't expect that same level of changes. I think it'll be a bit wary considering considering the kind of how good they've been, and then compared to how it went at Motherwell. Um, I think they want to keep that that momentum going, you know, because they're sort of mm-hmm. on the that kind of flowing level yeah. of performance. Um, I don't think I want to interrupt that too much. Do you think Celtic? struggle for depth in the wide areas at the moment Yeah, in uh-huh. terms of players that can come in I know yeah. that I touched on Morgan there Johnny Hayes do you think maybe in the, especially the left side if Sinclair's not fit or not on his game mm-hmm. Celtic could maybe do with someday seriously challenging for his place that he seems to have nailed down at the moment yeah I think I think so I think um, certainly in an attacking sense that's about the only area you could, you could really say that they're, they're, they're lacking I think uh, Johnny Hayes has been, you know, he's been a really good Premiership level player. Uh, he was sort of main man at Aberdeen, but it's just he had that, you know, horrendous injury when he came to Celtic, and that that seemed to really stop him in, he, in his tracks, and it's just not gone for him ever since. Then you get the likes of Lewis Morgan and Mikey Johnston, but these guys are, you know, these these are boys for the future. These, um, I don't know if they're players at the moment that you could really rely on to come in and do a job consistently you know that they're young this is Morgan's first you know not just his first season at Celtic it's his first season in the top flight uh, playing in European games so he's he's somebody who's saw at St Mirren he's got a lot of talent but he's going to need time Uh, similarly Mikey Johnston not a lot of I mean he seems to have impressed every time Mm -hmm. he's been given a chance to get involved but again he could have he could have been given first team football elsewhere in the Premiership this season. I'm pretty sure St Mirren were were close to it. Roger said, no, this is a boy I want around Mm -hmm. um, the the first team. Yeah, and you can see why, because he's got the ability to make an impact. um, But it's just, you see that sometimes where, 
you know, you've you've got young players who are maybe coming off the bench and looking really looking the part, but then so then it creates a certain level of expectation around them, and then if they get a maybe a, a run in the first team, it's hard to keep up that level, you know, unless you're absolutely exceptional. And you have seen it happen, but I mean, it's 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 completely normal for you know young players to be inconsistent. So I think Celtic could perhaps do with uh, somebody in the that wide area who could who could step in and do a job. Uh, I mean, certainly because you know you've got. Scott Sinclair, who you know, you don't seem to know what you're going to get from mm-hmm. him. He had that brilliant first season, pretty average performance-wise. Anyway, second season, and he's been very kind of up and down this campaign. I feel. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think I think I think you're spot on there. If Celtic do target that area for improvement, do you think it needs to be a permanent signing rather than another? Roberts, Musonda or Arzani who's unfortunately injured for Celtic at the moment but rather than bringing in a youngster who they are developing for another club do you think they need somebody on their own books? Uh, well I think the fans would certainly prefer that because then again you know you uh, you bring in somebody perhaps on loan and then maybe what six months down the line you maybe perhaps get the same problem again Um I think fans always prefer to see somebody come in full time. Um, but I mean, there, there's the, the kind of flip side to that is maybe bringing somebody in on loan, and then by the time you know that loan ends, you've got the likes of Morgan and Johnston who are maybe what another six to eight months down the line in their development. Yeah. Um, so there's that way of looking at it, but I think as I said if if you were looking at it from a, a Celtic fans' perspective, they would they would. You know, you'd always prefer somebody to come in on a permanent basis, I think. While we're discussing transfers, let's chat about the Lee Congerton rumours. Celtic have reportedly denied that he's about to leave the club. If he did, would that be a concern for Celtic fans or would that be somebody they'd be happy to see walk through the exit door? Uh, well, judging by the reaction to that on social media last night, um, there, it didn't look as if there were going to be too many tears shed if uh, Lee Congerton was to leave the club. I know that's, you know, social media is a you know, just a kind of microcosm of what mm-hmm. the um, wider opinion might be. Um, but it certainly, you know, kind of came out of nowhere late last night. Um, would be perhaps a bit, well, I don't know, would it be odd for him to leave just ahead of the transfer window? Is it? Would it be a sign that we don't want to give this guy another well, transfer say, window? Yeah. Or would it be... I think I think that's the only reason it would be that mm-hmm. they, they feel like they maybe can't trust him to identify the, the correct players or the ones that are necessary to improve the mm-hmm. team. I've got a note here of some of the ones that he's been at the club for. Edouard has come in and Cham's come in. He mm-hmm. was here when Patrick Roberts uh, signed for the second time. Benkovic, obviously, in the summer for Celtic. Mm-hmm. And they have all, I'd say, been successes. Definitely, But yeah. there has there was the Musonda disaster. Marvin Comper, Jack Hendry's just kind of floating in and out of the team. Mm-hmm. and hasn't really made a proper impact. Johnny Hayes has struggled since his, since his injury. Ben Yu, who was wished happy birthday by the club today I think quite a lot of people have forgotten that <laughs> he's a reminder that he exists yeah. so do you think there are more cons than pros here um, there's, I, I think the the problem is the ones that have that haven't worked have really not worked like the one you know the ones like Comper um, Charlie Masonda I don't know how much I don't know how much you could blame 
uh, Congerton for that one. You know, this was a boy who came in really highly rated from Chelsea, and it seemed to be really and performed down. in La Liga. Yeah, performed in La Liga. Um, I think he, he came on and had a bit of a start turn from the bench for Chelsea just a week before that he, he signed for the club. You know, Rogers was you know, he was beaming <laughs> about it. Uh, I think that one that failure was more down to the player himself um, rather than the recruitment side of things. Uh, but obviously, you need to compare that is that is that one's been a, a bit of a disaster from um from day one yeah. really um Kundai Benu who's you know not featured he went down to I think it was Oldham last season only played a handful of times Johnny Hayes I, I mean I don't think Johnny Hayes was ever brought in to be a first choice um but injuries and the former other players have meant that it's not really worked for him so but I mean you've got to look at the the success stories as well. Yeah. Olivier and Cham's yeah. been a huge success. Um, He's likely to make the club a lot, a of, lot money. of money. You know, Dembele levels of mm-hmm. money. You could you could argue at some point. Edwards record signing. You know, again looks like he's going to be a real player. Uh, Benkovic looks every inch. Um, he was what was needed. Yeah, exactly what was needed. Uh huh. Might have taken them a while to get there, but and again, it wasn't a permanent signing, um, but. You know, he's really, really made a difference, Benkovic. Um, Patrick Roberts getting him again was obviously a huge one, especially for the fans. You know, he was a yeah. cult hero. Um, and again, it, it didn't really work out for Roberts in the second season. That was you know, down to injuries. Injuries, yeah. So, I, I mean, it's a it's a mixed record, that I, I think, from Lee Congerton. Um, in the modern day game and at clubs, do you think there is a real need for a head of recruitment or should the managers be given the responsibility of identifying who he wants to bring into the team without somebody having to bring those names to the table? Uh, well, I, I think I think it's obviously it's a, it's a it's a model that you know you see you see more and more now. And Brendan Rodgers, you know, he's obviously it's obviously something he was. You know he was he was comfortable and um, I said I'm, I'm not. Is it just an unnecessary middleman though? I th- or is I, there more to it than that? I think I think there is. I think there's there's more to it. I mean we did um, we did a bit of work uh, last Christmas, but this time last year actually um, with Hibs who uh-huh. have a who have a head of recruitment and we you know we got a real good look at how it works for them. Um, what, what is the role then? If you've got experience in seeing how it how it works, what is the role of the head of recruitment? Uh, it's basically, you know, the, the manager is, and certainly how it worked for Hibs is like Neil Lennon had he had inputs at every every sort of level of the the process when he was he was kind of identifying like you know players profiles of players that he you know he was looking for, and then it was sort of handed over to. The, the recruitment team from that point. So then you've their head of recruitment. He was and he was overseeing a team of analysts, scouts, um, coaches. So he was basically overseeing the whole transfer operation in sort of conjunction with the manager. Um, you know, sending guys out to watch um, to watch players, um, kind of filtering through information. To you know the analysts back to the manager, um, so I think in this that sense it's I think 
player recruitment's become such a a huge um, a broad area now as compared to what so that certainly that was the impression that I got that it's it's really really expanded in in recent years. You know, just you know, kind of the amount of technology mm-hmm. and information available. Um, than what it was, so it certainly seemed helpful for Hibs to have this this middleman who could. Go, it was a sort of go, but not. I'm, I'm maybe putting it in sort of simplistic terms, but there was certainly a lot of go between between him and the manager, and then all these guys who were working, you know, as, as scouts and analysts. And I think it just takes some of the. Is he there to make life easier? Yeah, or definitely. To try and I think that? I think that that was when we spoke to Neil Lennon. Um, that was certainly the the impression we got from him that these guys make his job much, much easier. So if Celtic have denied the rumours, they seem to think that Congerton and his capacity at the moment is is carrying out that role and making life easier for Rodgers and the management team. Yeah, well it would certainly certainly appear so. Uh you know, it was just one that came out sort of came out of nowhere and then obviously somebody's put a, a call in to Celtic and they've you know they've they've thought enough of the rumours to to come out and deny it. Maybe with the, I don't know whether the January transfer window approaching, they didn't want this to kind of grow arms and legs and th- people to think mm-hmm. that there was some th- sort of unrest, especially considering how the the, the last transfer window yeah, went. Fair point. So they probably wanted to nip that in the bud quite quickly, I think. Well, let's discuss outgoings or any potential outgoings then. Two that have cropped up this week are Scott Brown again and Cal McGregor has been linked with a move to the English Premier League with Bournemouth. Is that his level or is he better than that? Uh, I th- Bear in mind, Bournemouth at the moment, I suppose, are top ten. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> um, I think that would be. A, I'd, I hesitate to say a, a good move for <laughs> for Callum McGregor, in case I, uh, in case I incur the the wrath of some Celtic fans. <laughs> but I think um, I think that that would be certainly a level that I think Callum McGregor could could play at. I think he's he's really shown this season that he's got a, an awful awful lot to his game. You know, he was kind of considered before. Um, as a sort of more forward-thinking midfielder, even played off the flanks at times, played through the middle. But then he's just kind of shown a real, a real maturity, I think, in his mm-hmm. game this season since he's dropped back into that that role. And I, I think we've we've discussed this before with midfielders um, in terms of you know the likes of Stuart Armstrong, who offer something. I think Armstrong offers something that a lot of midfielders don't, but I think McGregor has got he's got he's got a really well rounded midfield game mm-hmm. which you don't you don't seem to see. Um per- <coughs> particularly particularly often. Uh, so I don't think it's it's any wonder that a team like Bournemouth who play you know, play good football, they've got a sort of young I think the word people use these days is progressive <laughs> progressive manager. Um, so it doesn't if if you know if there's there's solid interest there that wouldn't surprise me but the you know the question is is whether whether Celtic would be willing to sell and whether McGregor would see that as a good move for for himself. Craig Gordon has said it would take crazy money for Celtic to sell Cal McGregor. What sort of region do you think he's talking about? Uh, well, I mean, you, I don't think they're going to get twenty million for him the way they got for Musa Dembele, but. I mean, you'd you'd be you'd be talking at the very least short Armstrong levels. You know, he went I, th- I think bearing, bearing in mind Cal McGregor's contracted till twenty twenty one, 
if yeah. anyone managed to get Callum McGregor for, for seven million, it would yeah. be an utter bargain. Uh, so, I, mean, at I the, think at he's the, at the got to be least. worth at least double pushing, triple that. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye. I mean, you'd certainly be, you know, kind of looking into into double figures. And I think Celtic have just kind of, you know, they've only got to look at the the amount of money paid for players elsewhere who don't have the you know the kind of pedigree that he's got you know multiple league titles mm-hmm. trophies Champions League Europa League experience uh, he's a regular at international level now so he's I only think 25 years old yeah exactly it? I mean he's he's still his best years are arguably still ahead of him as well so um, what's his potential in that sense then that he's only 25 if, if Cal McGregor does leave Celtic we're not pushing him to do so but if, <laughs> if he did leave Celtic um, and signed for a team in the English Premier League's middle range such as Bournemouth or mm-hmm. West Ham or such yeah. do you think he could kick him, kick on and become a target for a team who's maybe uh, targeting Europe or competing in Europe Yeah, I, don't, I mean I don't see why not I mean he's he seems to have a, a player who's you know he's just really adaptable um, he went out on loan Notts County he's a young player seemed to really do well there scored a lot of goals Um He's come back, and for a while he was, you know, he was kind of filling holes in the Celtic team for a wee while at, at times, um, and then he's he's made he's come on so much that you know he's he's got to be one of the first names in the team sheet now. He's filled in at likes a wing back. He's played, so he's he's proved himself as to be sort of really adaptable, and that he's he's he seems to just be a player who's constantly improving. Um, and I, I I've always been a fan, and I I think even in the just from the start of the season, um, you can see again improvement again. So if he keeps, if he gets the chance to go and play um, in the English Premier League, where he's again he's playing against you know higher quality opposition mm-hmm. week in week out, playing on you know places like Old Trafford, you know Stamford Bridge, Anfield, you know I, I, I don't I don't see why there's any um, any reason why he can't kick on even further. Let's discuss Scott Brown then. The team that are allegedly chasing him, Western Melbourne, are due to find out today if their application to become an A-League team has been successful. If so, is this a realistic prospect, this move? Yeah, I think it could be. You know, you get Scott Brown, a guy who's, you know, he is coming to the uh, to the end of his career now. He spent, he spent all of it in Scotland. Um, I, I don't think you can. And Brendan Rodgers is saying this himself that he, like, he's he's earned the right to have time to to really think about what what he wants to do uh, to do next. Uh, obviously, it's <laughs> this the kind of what has maybe ramped this up a wee bit is the fact that he's now not doesn't seem to be an automatic first pick. Yeah. Uh, so I think talk of him being finished is. As as much as you know, I don't. I don't really feel that anybody has been saying that he's he's done. Finished but, as harsh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody's been been saying that as such. Um, but I think it's it's reasonable to speculate that it might be the the beginning of the end for for Scott Brown. I, I mean, he's. I mean, don't get me wrong. He proved every wrong, everybody wrong before. Um, but he is kind of getting uh, into the kind of later years of his career now, and uh, you know to go and play other side of the world. Uh, you know, in yeah. Australia, uh, he's obviously got considerations for his family. Um, so I think, like Brendan, I just said, he's earned the right to take his time over this and really decide what's best for him and his family. So I, I, to 
the short answer is yes. I think it is quite a, a realistic prospect, but whether it will happen or not, yeah, we don't we don't know. If he did move on, how much would he be missed? Do you think around the club in general, uh, in his capacity as club captain and on the park? Oh, hugely. I mean, you can you can see that it's it's, it's I mean it's so obvious that he's not just been a great player for Celtic. He's obviously been you know a sort of figurehead for the for the on the pitch and off it. Uh, he's obviously a big character. He's, you know, very obviously very well liked around the club. The fans, absolutely, you know, these days absolutely idolise mm-hmm. him. So it's it's you know it's that's not somebody you can just replace overnight. You know that's he's he's earned that status over I don't know how many years. Um, but you know everything you know these things always come to an end sooner or later. And I've, you know Celtic have had. Uh, hugely influential players in the past, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that they wouldn't miss Scott Brown. I don't want that mm-hmm. to come across like that in <laughs> any way at all, because they will. Um, oh, definitely. Um, extremely, extremely hard to replace. Not just that kind of player, but that kind of character as well. I would think he's had his testimonial. Now it, it would feel like the kind of natural time for any transfer to happen mm-hmm. maybe another successful season for Celtic if they manage to secure a third treble in yeah. a row really how can he improve on that and I suppose looking back at the last two Europa League games against Rosenborg and Leipzig even a year ago even towards the end of last season I think most Celtic fans would have thought Brown would have been would have to be pivotal in any result being achieved against either of those but without him the team have kicked on and really found momentum Aye, no, I think you're, you're you're spot on. I think this time last year, going into especially that Leipzig game, um, there would have been a, you know all sorts of you know the panic panic buttons being mm-hmm. frantically smashed. <laughs> uh, but I th- you know, um, I it, I mean the only thing is like you know Celtic fans they've got their they've got their eye on winning the the ten in a row, obviously. You know they would want Scott Brown to be around for that if it were to happen. I'm sure Scott Brown would love to, but I mean that's still a few years in the future. What would he be about around that time? He'd be about I think, 36. I think, I think he's 33 just now. So he'd be yeah. maybe 36 ish. Um, so that's to, for him if he was still at the level he has been over the past couple of years at 36, then that would be you know that would be phenomenal, mm-hmm. but also at the same time pretty unlikely. Uh, so I think it would it would it would be like a, a nice a really nice natural end I think to Brown's Celtic career if to round off three successive trebles he's captained the team to that and maybe a, you know a wee go at the the last thirty two of the Europa League as well if yeah. if they were to qualify um, so I think that that I mean it would be a, it would be a nice way to round off his off his career um, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Brown won't see it that way. He might. He want even more, mm-hmm. and you, you you wouldn't be surprised if he did. Well, before we round off this podcast, let's briefly discuss Gordon Strachan's comments in his column for Paddy Power this week. He states that it will take at least another two years before Rangers are realistically competing with Celtic. Is that an accurate assessment? Uh, I, I mean, it, you you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Week to week in Scottish football, never mean, never mind uh, two years down the line. But I think, I think Celtic and and current form 
Um, if they're if if you know if if they keep up this level most weeks from now to the end of the season, then nobody's going to nobody's going to get near them. So I think Rangers. I think Rangers are definitely better um, than they Look, were. Po- it's weird because points wise, they're actually worse off this season than they were in the previous two. I know. I know. I think you've got to, you've got to. Uh, I think to to an extent take into account the European campaign. Um, oh, that's been. Yeah, you know that, that that's you know that's and I think that that has perhaps maybe affected them uh, going into games, you know, so quickly afterwards. Uh, but I know I, t- I know I obviously I take that point that points wise, but I think just looking at them as a as as in terms of just being able to compete, I think there's more about this Rangers team. I th- I still think it's it's short on quality in a few areas, and uh, they're obviously I think needs to. Perhaps be less of a reliance on uh, loan players, um, but I, I think I don't think uh, as it stands right now, I don't think Gordon Strachan would be too far off in that assessment. Celtic are still really, really, really strong, and Rangers, as much as I do think they are better, they're still they're still rebuilding, and they've got a young manager who is going to make mistakes and who needs time, not just to. Uh, not just in in terms of improving the squad, but for himself, yeah. you know, growing growing as a manager. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think that's I think I think that's quite a, a level headed statement from yeah. Gordon Strachan. You know, it's, uh, I know a lot of times fans you know don't don't see it that way, uh, but I, yeah, I think that's quite. I think he's pretty spot on to be honest with you. All right, well, thanks, Liam, and thanks, listeners. Remember, you can subscribe on all the usual platforms on Acast, iTunes, etc. Join us again next week.